Thanks for tuning in to the New Cove podcast. Subscribe to get a new sermon right to your device each week. For more information or to reach out to someone, go to newcove.com. Now enjoy this sermon. Amen. I grew up in the Lutheran tradition, so the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed were a part of every Sunday morning, along with other things that repeated. And I thought when we were going through, as you go through a book, not everything that you go through is super sexy and super exciting and things like that. You just don't miss them. And we're in this incredible section that is rich in, uh, as, as Paul is going to be encouraging Titus to teach sound doctrine. And I had my conversation with Todd this week is, I would love the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. And he said, done. And we're going to end the service uh, with, a, with another great song, kind of an, old, an oldie but a goodie. Well, welcome, welcome all that are here that got up this morning, as Scott said. Uh, on the top of your notes, let's continue to pray for our firefighters. Uh, I guess Heartland Camp is in the line and other homes and things like that. Just, we need need to be on our knees lifting up everything that's going on out there with our first responders. There's a lot going on, uh, our leaders that have to make decisions. So uh, let's do that. Um, write it down, take it home, put it on the refrigerator or the mirror, and let's, let's make sure that we're praying for all those responders and for rain. Rain would do us well, right? Well, we are continuing. We're in week two. Uh, This is a very personal letter meant to be read to everybody, to Titus. I told you a little bit last week, Titus um, is the troubleshooter. uh, He is not timid. He he goes into these areas that Paul wants him to go into, Corinth and Athens and Crete, and he goes in and he's going to solve a problem. There's a problem that's going on. One of the problems that's going on in Crete, and Crete, if you weren't here last week, is just south of Greece. It's the big island south of Greece sitting out there. And what's taking place there is the churches that Paul had planted uh, have now been, the, the sound doctrine is being diluted. The Judaizers are coming in, agnostics are coming in, the Pharisees, all these different Groups are coming in, and they're watering down the gospel. And so he has sent Titus in there to go back into these, into these churches that they, that they started to help them, to bring them back up, to bring the doctrine, to bring the gospel message in, the, in all truth to uh, the island of Crete. And if you remember, Crete is, uh, in verse 14, it says, they're lazy, they're gluttons, and they're liars. So he's not going into, that was, a, that was one of their prophets that said that. That was a quote from one of their prophets. So he's going into a very, very difficult uh, spot. So let's pick up in verse 6. Last week, just if you missed, missed it, it said, Paul, servant of God, in verse 1, he gives us his position. It wasn't a fill-in, but I said, Paul gives us his position and who he is in Christ. And then he kind of, he gives the, the, the purpose of what's taking place. And Titus is going to, in verse 5, it says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. Get involved in these churches, and let's bring up, today we're going to look at uh, leadership. So verse 6, why don't we stand as we read the Word of God. An elder must be blameless blameless. Just so you know, the way, the way we work as a church here, the way we are set up, the, the pastors are the elders, 
Okay? So this is, this is he's talking to me here. He's talking to the pastors. El- elders, uh, an elder must be blameless. The husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are uh, not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Uh, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is, is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can, be in, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. Remember last week, that, that would be the Judaizers. Um, they must be silenced because they are running whole household, uh, ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for um, and that for things they ought not to teach for they, the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, "Cretans are very always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons." This testimony is true. Therefore, we. Buke them sharply so that they will be sound in faith and will pay no attention to the Jewish myths or the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciousness are corrupted. They claim to know God, but their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. God We come to you and we thank you for your word. The reality of what your word asks us to do, the truth of what your word is. Father, it's not always easy to hear. But Father, we thank you for Paul and his charge to Titus to focus in on the leadership of the the church. We know that a rising tide lifts all ships. And so, Father, we come here today and we thank you. Maybe for some of us, hard words that we need to hear today. For some of us, encouraging. For some, challenging. Thank you for this time. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Just because you believe in something doesn't make it true, right? Right? When I was growing up, I watched cartoons, um, if you're young here today, you won't know these cartoons, uh, but one of them was Popeye. Popeye the Sailor Man, right? And the one thing that I thought about Popeye is, man, when things go bad or you need to take care of Brutus or you need to save olive oil, the one thing that you need to do is get your spinach. And you get that spinach and you become strong. Have you ever had spinach? Yeah. No, just because I believed it was true with Popeye, when I had spinach, it did not make me strong. It made me gag. It wasn't any fun. Just because you believe in something doesn't make it, make it true. Superman, he could fly. He could leap single bound, buildings in a single bound. Just because you put on a cape doesn't mean you're going to fly. Gravity takes over. I'm glad the thing I jumped off wasn't that high. Paul 
is going to be talking to us. He's talking to Titus today, and he's, he's saying this. Titus, this is true. This is what we act on. This is how we behave. This is how we conduct ourselves. Your new assignment is to go into these churches, these churches that have allowed this false teaching to to permeate, to start coming in, to start becoming truth and diluting what the church is all about. Is that happening today? Absolutely. The message absolutely hits today. So if you're filling in, this is the first couple are just kind of where God was leading me in this message. So let's, I want to go through these relatively quickly. Sound doctrine reflects God's intent for his word. His intent. What's his intent for us? Notice what uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Ever found that to be true? Ever come into church and feel like the pastor's in your mailbox? I know you feel like that because when I say something occasionally, some of you do this. Oh, how does he know? I don't know. That's the word of God. That is the Holy Spirit, and it penetrates. It divides. It brings out truth. The story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve, it's not, this, this whole thing about creation is not science. It's a relationship. It's God's relationship with us. It's, it's really a, a love story. It gives us a purpose. We sang last week at the end of the service, I'm a child of God. You were created in God's image. Yet, we challenge the Genesis story, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. A couple, uh, couple things just that aren't on your notes that I want to highlight as we talk briefly about San Doctrine. There's a couple things you should know. One, what do we get from the truth? What do we get from this, the, the Bible, from God's Word? One is transformation, life-changing power. And a lot of times we don't understand that. But you remember the blind man in John chapter 9, what happened? The next day after Jesus had healed him in a a weird, different way, the Pharisees got him, pulled him aside, and they interrogated him. And they wanted to know what would happen. He goes, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind and now I what? See. Transformed his life. Changed his life. Didn't know all the answers. Didn't know the theology. In 1858, there's a revivalist, Jeremy uh, Manili. He brought his preaching to Belfast, Ireland. And he was in a shipyard. He talked about, he just, he was an evangelist. So it was repentance. uh, It was reform. It was get to know the Lord. And as he was preaching, many of those men on the shipyard, and you can imagine working with your hands out in the shipyard, these are, these are seasoned guys. These are salty guys. And what happened uh, as they more and more become to know Christ, they found out that all these tools started returning back to them, tools that they had stolen over the years. So many tools were returned that they made a shed and then another shed. And finally, the management said this, keep your tools. We don't want any more. That's the transformation of a heart. That's God getting a hold of someone's heart, and and suddenly they go, oh, that's not my screwdriver. I need to give it back. 
It's unity of the Bible. So not only is it transformation, but it's unity. Uh, It's like no other book. 40 authors written over 1,500 years. Um, Three different continents. But yet the consistency and the message points to our Savior. How does that happen? It's prophecy that's being filled. Prophecy is something that's said beforehand and then later comes true over 300 times in the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ. Read the book of Daniel. Daniel tells about four empires and points to Alexander the Great all before it happened. Every time they dig in Israel and find a coin or a pottery and it's engraved King Darius, oh, We find it in the Bible. You know what I say? Keep digging. Keep digging. Because new things are found. Yes, there's history here. History matches up with what's taking place here. So when you start looking at all this, you can understand why Paul is is going, we need to come together. We need to, our, our leaders need to know what they're preaching. Because our congregations need to act appropriately. The Apostle Paul went to great lengths in Galatians. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, For I, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus was clear in his teaching. My teaching is not mine, but, but his who sent me. The inspired word of God. So we come in here on a Sunday morning and we listen to, as we open up, not man's words, but God's words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's simple. Sound teaching originates with God and false teaching originates with men. So he's telling Paul's encouraging Titus, hey man, hey buddy, I know this is a tough task but there's a lot at risk. We need to know what the truth is. Our churches need to know what the truth is. We need to know how to act and how to behave because there's a culture out there that is trying to dilute what the church is all about. Not relevant today at all. Next fill-in. Sound doctrine is important because our faith is based on a specific specific message. I'm just going to give you two verses. Here, there's lots of verses that we could pull through this. But let me just give you a couple. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4. "For uh, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried... And then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What's the gospel message? You want to know when you don't know what to say to anybody, what is Christianity? It's a good one right there. And when a world says that you can climb up any side of the mountain and get there, what does Jesus say in John 14, 7? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through 
two great verses to learn, to mark in your Bible so that you can get there. So he's saying, he's telling Titus, this is how we're going to do it. He's talked about the leadership of the church. The leadership needs to know what the truth is. The leadership needs to be able to rebuke and silence, as we will, as we'll see. So that leads me to the next uh, next one. Sound doctrine is upheld by godly leadership. This is the framework that he gives, and the verses that we read, he gives us the framework. This is the framework in which we're gonna that we're gonna work from, and it basically comes down to this in verse six, seven, and eight. It comes down to godly character and godly conduct. Not how much you know, not how much skill you have. How you conduct yourself and your character. That's true for me. That's true for the the pastors as he's specifically talking about that. And what we hope to do from from the pulpit as we share is that character and conduct moves through the congregation moves into your place of employment, moves into our community. You know, most of the uh, first universities, prestigious universities that were made, after the Puritans kind of set up their colonies and set up things, the next thing, 20 years after that, you know what they started? Higher education. So you look at our Ivy Harvard being the first. Do you know what John Harvard, you know how they were founded on? Christian principles. This is what John Harvard said at the launch of Harvard. Many of them, um, he... uh, He writes this, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider consider well the main ends of his life and studies, to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ at the bottom as the, the only foundation of all knowledge and learning, and see that the Lord will giveth wisdom. Let everyone seriously set himself by prayer, uh, by prayer in secret to see Christ as Lord and Master. What happened? We would not say that they're a theologically strong university today. We wouldn't say that Yale is a, a, a strong theologically university today. On their emblem, it was the, a lamp and a Bible for Yale. This is what uh, uh, Thomas, uh, Timothy Dwight said to his students in 1814. Christ is the only, the, the true, the living way to access God. Give up yourselves, therefore, to him with a cordial confidence and, a great, uh, and the great work of life is done. What happened, to, what happened to Harvard? What happened to Yale? What happened to Princeton? What happened to Dartmouth? What happened to a lot of these Ivy League schools? In, in Yale's case, what happened is it was academics. And those around them, the agnosticism, set into the culture of who they are in Unitarianism, which is prevalent today, and it's the, way that, it's the way that university runs. It didn't happen all at once. But it happened. 
some of our smartest students are going to these schools. And I pray that they're strong enough to know this. When you start poking holes in in the book of Genesis, when you start poking holes in creation, when you start poking holes on I am created in the image of God and I am created for a purpose, you are setting yourself up to dilute the word of God. I could just stop right here. We could just talk about a lot of different things right now, couldn't we? The one thing I want us to talk about then when we leave here is what does it mean for me? What does it mean when we walk out these, we, these doors? Martin Luther said this, the great reform in the 16th century. I am much afraid that the universities will prove to be a great gate to hell unless they diligently labored to explain the holy scriptures and to engrave them upon their hearts of youth. I advise no one to place... Uh, his child, where the scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution where men are not unceasingly occupied with the word of God must become corrupt. Great wisdom. It's been around since the 16th century. We've probably heard it before. So let's go back to the the verses that we we read. What are are we supposed to be? Specifically, it would be me, but I think it translates well to, to all of us. Be hospitable, literally, a lover of strangers. How do we, sh- how do we share the love of Christ? Be hospitable. Um, uh, be self-controlled. Self-control be an aspect of everything that Titus does. He's going to have to control himself. He's going to have to be controlled as he lifts, as he invests in the leadership of, that, of the church. Um, the guy that's self-controlled doesn't have a secret life. Comes to church, he, who he is here or who she is here is who she or he is when we leave this place. Upright. Meaning he's fulfilling all duty in every one of his roles. He's holy in thought, word, and deed, set apart for God's use. He's disciplined, which means he's consistent. He's not one way Sunday and another on Monday. Why? What's the charge that, that Paul is telling Timothy? Let's get this because it will allow us to deal with the falsehoods. That's your next fill in. Sound doctrine exposes falsehoods. First part of this is about character and conduct. 2 Timothy 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. It's truth. This isn't, some, this isn't a story of the first century that we get to kind of embellish and bring out this is today. This is where we're at today. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say that their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Myths. 
Whatever we hear what we want to hear. Goes on in verse uh, 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced. Notice verse 11. They must be silenced. In other words, we must shut their mouths. And how are you going to shut their mouths? With this. With the truth. With the truth that God has provided for us, the Holy Scriptures. Conviction. The convictions that are seated in your, in your heart. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, it says in 13, that they may be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and commands and people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But the, to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their conscience are defiled. Whatever you choose to fill your mind with will affect the way you think and act. You, we tell our kids that, right, all the time. Garbage in, garbage out. And we try to manage them and navigate them through through life and what they bring in and what they take in. The friends that they hang out with and do life with, we want to we help manage that they've got the best group around them possibly that's going to put them on this path, this positive path. Same with us as we get older. Garbage in, garbage out. And now there's a lot more access Easy access, personal access to flip, to engage in. The scriptures refer to false teachers as those who build a wall with plaster, it with untempered mortar. Ezekiel 13 15. After the earthquake in 2010 in Haiti, the one thing that they they found out, 500,000 people were uh, hurt or killed in that earthquake. It was a big earthquake. And what they found out is that the the workers, the uh, the construction workers, just simply, no rebar, they just put blocks with um, not the right consistency of mortar, even if that, and then they put a veneer of plaster over the top of it. So you look at it and you're going, oh, that's beautiful. What they found out, though, it was not true. It was not, it was not true to what it was supposed to be, whether they, construction workers were, were greedy, where they just took shortcuts or they just wanted to get houses up. I don't know. What I do know is they collapsed like a house of cards. Saw it. Witnessed. Didn't witness it there, but after the aftermath saw it. The last earthquake that hit, you know what happened? Same thing. Do you know where they're moving now? They're moving out into the countrysides. It wasn't true. It crumbled. The same thing with the word of God. 
If we allow the inconsistencies, we allow, allow the false teachers, we allow it to come into the church, it too will fall like a house of cards. So what's Paul say? He says, cut it out like a surgeon, like a disease. Get in there, dig it out. So the encouragement and the challenge for Titus and the man that Titus is, is he's up for it. Jesus says the same thing basically in in Mark 7. When he says this, when he spoke to the religious leaders, he said, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside with robes. You say the right things, but inwardly you are like dead men's bones. Titus, let's not do that. I'm excited about the new covenant leadership, the pastors that we have, the deacons that you've elected, those that elected them in, they go through a process, a vetting process. Churches go through different seasons, different things, and sometimes it's just a season that we're going through that we need that type of leader in. Not everybody that you nominate in gets to go. We, we had 16 interviews that we went through, all of them phenomenal people. And we just, we sit and we pray and we talk and we get that list down to a vote that takes place. You're part of that. All right, I got to move here, but I'm going to go through this next piece. Sound doctrine needs to translate to sound conduct. Let's break down this next, next section. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men... Uh, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. You know, when I, when I read this, you know who I think about? Caleb. Remember Caleb, one of the spies? He and Joshua were the only ones that went into the promised land. They came back and said, oh, it's the milk of honey. Let's take it over. And the majority ruled, and they didn't. They ended up 40 years in the desert wandering around in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones that are left when they, and they cross the Jordan River. And when they cross the Jordan River, Caleb is 83 years old. And when he crosses the river and he looks at that mountain, he doesn't go, oh, not again. He goes, I've been waiting for you. And he takes his walker at 83 years old and he goes, let's go. I don't care how old you are. You're not done. Even if you're just praying for what God is doing. Caleb, so those of you that are older, there's young men, there's other men, middle-aged men, there's... There's guys that need to go through the Timothy program. Know what the word says. We have, we've got guys that will take you through that. You want to know a little bit more about the word, the basics. Ladies, you too. There's ladies that will take you through it. You want to do it as a couple? My mom and dad take couples through. I, don't, I know there's a couple more, but I can pick on them. All right? 
Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and, and so train the young women. Heart to heart is a ministry that the women do right now. Seasoned ladies, that their kids have come and gone through their, their house. They're probably grandkids. You know what they get, what they love doing? Helping the young mommies, the young ladies going through uh, things that they've already gone through and how this helped, how this encouraged, how this helped when it hurt. To love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working, home, kind, and submissive to their husbands. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Notice that. Notice all the things that they gave the women. You know what he told the young men? Be self-controlled. You know why, young men? Because we have a tough time controlling the desires of the flesh and our lusts. It takes over. And if we can learn early on, if you can find that older guy, that mentor that will just pour into you and help you through these things, because we've, we're created that way. It's the way God created us. It's one of the questions I have when I get to heaven. Why? Why was I at my sexual peak at 18? I don't know if I'll ask him that, really. but <clears throat> I guess he knows. self-controlled. And if we don't learn how to control ourselves at a young age, it starts, to be, it starts to hamper us as we get older. It starts to become a vice. It's now dictating how we're going to act and behave as opposed to what the sound doctrine says. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's be led by... Devotion and good deeds is the theme of this book. Verse 9, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. Bond servants, this is the working class. This is, this is us that are working out there today. Are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be uh, well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, not showing all, uh, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may, may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Let me just give you four things for attitudes in the workplace, just, just four, okay? Uh, one, integrity. You want to be a good employee? Be honest, show integrity. You know what integrity is? It's what I said early on who we are, it's not just church attendance, it's who we are when we leave this place. I'm the same here as I am elsewhere. You want to impress your boss? Show them that you have integrity. Excellence. Be excellent. Work hard. Learn, grow. Servanthood, be a servant. Don't try to make your way to the top by stepping on everybody else. Watch what happens when you, in humility, serve those around you. 
And it doesn't always come, it, it doesn't come when you want it, but it will come. And then lastly, hope. God wants to use you wherever you're at right now. wants to use you. And our hope isn't what we're doing right now. Our hope is in our fixed position, which is Christ. Jesus says this, there are many blessings, but Jesus also says, take up your cross and follow me. He tells us to deny ourselves daily. He also said the key to happiness is to put uh, God and others first. I hear a lot of people share, uh, a lot of people hear the diluted version of the gospel and believe it's good medicine. And it's not. Georgia Haynes had cancer and she won a lawsuit for $2.2 billion. And the reason she won the lawsuit for $2.2 billion is that her pharmacist diluted her chemotherapy. And it cost, it, it cost her her life. The $2.2 billion didn't do anything for her. When we dilute something, we make it thinner. It has less strength. It reduces the value, the efficiency. We water it down. We see it with our universities. But Paul is challenging Titus, brother, I need you to get into those churches. Church, church, we need to pour into people the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. Why? Sound doctrine is important because uh, the end of sound doctrine is life. You know what I want to hear? Not how big the church was, doesn't matter. Not how much money I made, doesn't matter. How good of a hockey player I was, doesn't matter. Or not. You know what matters? My faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I hope you're like me where I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. When we dilute down the gospel, it can hurt. A group was in South America. They were flying around, and they had stopped to put gas in their airplane. And they trusted the guy that was putting in the gas. And he got up to 600 feet, and they... The engine started to sputter and go crazy and do what engines do when the gas has been diluted with water or contaminated with water. And the plane went down in the jungle, and he's still paralyzed today. This message is something that we need to take and we need to leave here today individually. Are we diluting down? 
the word of God because of convenience. I don't know where you sit. I know there's a lot of crazy things going on. A lot of things that are pushing and pulling. A lot of lies trying to find what the truth is. So why don't we stand? This is going to be our, I'm going to pray. Todd's going to lead us out. If you would like prayer today, you can come down forward. If you want to make Lord Jesus Lord of your life, please come down. And we're going to celebrate some cool transformation stories uh, out there at the, at the baptisms. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, I thank you for Paul, his boldness. I thank you for his right-hand man in Titus that we don't hear a lot about, but man, he was a troubleshooter. Father, I thank you for the pastors at New Covenant Community Church and the deacon and the leadership, the people that you have assembled here. Father, I pray that we would stand firm on the word of God. Father, I want us to to fall in love with you as the Genesis story lays out that you created us. You have a plan and a purpose. Father, we, we thank you for sending your son for us. In your son's name we pray, amen.